What is up everyone? It is Quinn here back with another video and today I'm going to be going through my top 12 running backs in Dynasty Fantasy Football. So these are probably going to be the players who are like the staples on your roster. These are going to be some of your more valuable players really regardless of position. So just running through the top 12 and then I'm also going to be splitting them up into tiers, you know, to kind of differentiate between the different levels here. If you guys enjoy the video, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And then also in a day or two, I'll have the same style of video, but I'll be going through the top 12 wide receivers. And let's just get right into it. Number one, I actually am going to have Bijan Robinson. Don't think I said it at the top, but I am going to be including rookies in here. I believe we just have uh, two rookies making the top 12. But number one in tier one, it is going to be Bijan Robinson. And personally, I just don't really care that he hasn't even played a snap in the NFL. He's one of the best running back prospects we've seen as of late. And it looks like his draft capital is pretty much locked into the first round. It really seems like he could go anywhere in the first round. You know, top 10 probably is pushing it, but mid, late first, you know, I think these are all, you know, decently reasonable uh, outcomes here. He's a great runner. He can catch passes. He has that three down skill set, which is obviously going to give him that very strong fantasy ceiling. And even if he lands in like a semi rough landing spot, if a team is drafting a running back in the first round, they're basically guaranteed to be feeding that player. So I think regardless of landing spot, even if it's on a bad offense, maybe Bijan doesn't have a ton of touchdown upside early on. He's still going to be force fed the ball. He's going to be involved as a pass catcher, and that will still lead to very, very strong fantasy production. So Bijan is number one, and he's actually going to be the only running back I have in tier one. Now moving into tier two with my running back two, this is where I have Brees Hall. And I do think you could make a case for Brees Hall to be RB1. It's just that if he wasn't coming off of that ACL tear, I think the ACL kind of, you know, knocks him decently firmly behind Bijan Robinson. But obviously, I'm still very in on Hall with him here as my running back too. As a uh, rookie, he played in seven games. And in those seven games, he was the RB8 in PPR points per game. I mean, like just being the starter for seven games and finishing as the RB8 as a rookie, like that would have been very, very solid production. But then you throw in the fact that the first three-ish games, he was in a committee with Michael Carter. He didn't really break out until uh, his fourth game. And then in the seventh game, he leaves with that ACL tear. So, I mean, he basically had three games as the starter, was in the committee, had the injury, and was still putting up RB1 production. If he played that full season, like second half of the year, he really could have had a shot to be the RB1 overall. He may not be 100% heading into 2023, coming off of that ACL tear. Maybe he's limited like the first quarter of the season, and then we get to see that, you know, workhorse workload. But he's a guy who hasn't even turned 22 years old yet, still very young. And at this point, it looks like he is going to be a high end running back one for a very long time. So that's why I have him here at number two. Now, sticking in tier two, my RB3, this is where I have Jonathan Taylor. I could see an argument for Jonathan Taylor up at number two ahead of Brees Hall because, you know, he's not coming off of that ACL. Personally, I like him here at number three. When Jonathan Taylor has been healthy, the dude has been an absolute stud. He was the RB9 in PPR points per game as a rookie. And then as a sophomore, he was the RB1 in overall points. Um, and then the RB2 in points per game. I believe that was where Derrick Henry had like the half season, but was uh, you know averaging more than Jonathan Taylor. So a crazy impressive sophomore season. 
He has a tough 2022, was more of an RB2 option on a point per game basis, but a lot of that was due to injuries and then just the Colts offense in general kind of just falling apart. Obviously, I'm going to be expecting a really strong bounce back here in 2023, and he is still very young at 24 years old. So you're still looking at a guy who can be giving you you know, four to five seasons of RB1 production in the future. Now, moving into tier three, my RB4, this is where I have a Kenneth Walker. And I think he's a pretty interesting player to look at um, because I think some people may just automatically throw him here and feel very great about Kenneth Walker moving forward. I think if you're like on a win now team, I really don't think it's crazy to prefer a guy like CMC or a Saquon, you know, just because we know they have those ceilings. For me, my only concern with Kenneth Walker just comes down to that ceiling, and I feel like the jury is still out on that. As we know, uh, once Rashad Penny went down with injury, Walker came in, dominated, commanded a really large role on the ground. In his 10 healthy starts, he averaged over 20 carries a game. The problem here with Walker and where I think the ceiling is kind of up in the air is that in the 15 games he played in, he was only targeted 35 times. That's not a great number. And this is kind of a concern that dates back to when he was a prospect. He was a guy who was not asked to uh, catch passes in college, and then we didn't really see it out of him as a rookie. I think if that continues you know, throughout his career, it's going to be really tough for him to compete with uh, the ceilings of some of these other guys like Bijan, Brees, and even a Jonathan Taylor, who is a you know decently competent pass catcher. So I think it's possible that Kenneth Walker kind of turns into like a Nick Chubb-esque player who can get it done on the ground, you know, great as a pure runner, but just doesn't have that receiving workload. And being like a Nick Chubb level player for fantasy is very, very solid. But Nick Chubb isn't a guy year after year competing to be like the RB1 overall. And it may make Kenneth Walker not worth like a top 20 dynasty pick. And that's the range he is being drafted in right now. And now sticking around in tier three, my running back five overall, this is where I have Christian McCaffrey. And with him going to be 27 before the 2023 season, season. He's definitely a guy who is a win now option. If you're a team who's not competing in 2023 or even 2024, he's a guy you should definitely be, you know, getting off of your roster to kind of get younger, get some draft picks. But, you know, if you are on a win now team with his receiving upside on this 49ers offense, like he is a ceiling that's just going to be really, really tough for most other running backs to even kind of touch. And if you're looking at McCaffrey and you have him on your roster, you can probably bank on squeezing like two high-end RB1 seasons out of him in 2023. And then 2024, obviously that's assuming, you know, he can stay healthy. Um, And then if the body does stay healthy, then maybe one or two more useful seasons after that. Like a 29-year-old McCaffrey, if he is healthy, I don't think it's crazy to, uh, you know, think he can be a uh, RB1 in uh, 2025. And then maybe after that, if he's still kicking, you know, somewhere in that RB2 range. You know, it's been heavily talked about how he has had those injury concerns. A lot of people were fading him heading into the 2022 season because of those previous injuries. If you guys have followed my channel, I've talked about this a ton. He had a ton of injuries, but they were all over the place. So none of those injuries really screamed that he was injury prone. Not saying it's impossible for him to get injured because we know uh, that kind of comes with the territory at the running back position, but that's why I have him here at number five. And then behind him, a guy who's also kind of in the win now situation, number six, Saquon Barkley, still in tier three, similar position to McCaffrey. Saquon's going to turn 27 at like the very end of the 2023 season. Another guy who's had those injury concerns, but went out and registered a very healthy 2022 season. He's a guy 
guy who should continue to produce like a high-end running back one over at least like the next two seasons. You're probably hoping for like three seasons. And once again, just like McCaffrey, a guy who has shown a ceiling that a lot of the players ranked below him in these rankings just haven't been able to touch um, or just may not be able to touch in the future. Now we're going to be shifting into tier four and starting it off with my running back seven, I have Travis Etienne. I kind of think he's a similar story to Kenneth Walker in terms of like the upside concern and just like the peak ceiling, but it's really not something I would have been, you know, expecting to have that problem with out of Etienne. Um, Once we saw Etienne take over the Jaguars backfield, he saw a super impressive workload on the ground, but like Kenneth Walker, the overall receiving work is the concern here only averaged 2.6 targets per game over that 17 game season. And for Walker, like it's understandable because he really wasn't used as a pass catcher in college. It's really weird for Travis Etienne because he was very involved as a pass catcher at Clemson, had the exact same quarterback, you know, thrown in the ball. So it's a little strange that Etienne wasn't more involved as a pass catcher. He's still only 24 years old. So if he can bump up that receiving usage, the way this offense is trending up with Trevor Lawrence looking like he's going to be, you know, potential top five quarterback moving forward. We have Calvin Ridley coming in. This is going to be a really strong offense. If he can bump up that receiving usage, Etienne could be a monster at the running back position for a while. Now sticking in tier four, This may be the hottest take of any of the players I have on here, but I'm feeling decent about it. At my RB8, this is where I'm going to have Jameer Gibbs, who is a 2023 running back prospect. I feel like a lot of people out there are going to think this is pretty high for Gibbs, but for me, when we're looking at his receiving ability, I think it gives him a lot of upside at the running back position. And I also feel like there's this idea for dynasty running backs where people have like a super short leash with them. And I think that's fair when running backs start to get older, but I feel like people are actually willing to give some of these younger running backs a lot of leeway. Um, which I think is obviously going to help Jameer Gibbs here. It looks like he's locked into the second round. If I had to guess, I'm guessing he would be going in the second or the first half of that second round. I don't think it's impossible for him to be like a late first round pick. Obviously, that would be pretty massive for him, um, you know, just in terms of draft capital. But I think that's probably unlikely. And I know that there are some concerns with him at five foot nine, 199 pounds. He's not going to be your three down workhorse running back, you know, carrying the ball 18 plus times a game and catching passes. Like that's just not going to be his workload. But with that projected draft capital, he's basically guaranteed to be very involved as a pass catcher, right? That's his kind of calling card. That's why teams are going to be wanting to draft him. But the thing is, he is also a very strong runner. I mean, pretty much everywhere, like also between the tackles. It's just going to come down to whether the teams, you know, want to be running this sub 200 pound back up the middle a million times, which they probably won't want to. But with the receiving workload, you give this guy like 10 to 12 carries per game. I'm feeling pretty solid about that in terms of his uh, fantasy production. And I kind of referenced how uh, the fantasy community and the dynasty community is pretty lenient when it comes to some of these younger running backs. Take a guy like DeAndre Swift, who for three years, the Lions have told us they just don't want to use this dude as a workhorse. Even after they uh, brought in David Montgomery, 
On keep trade cut, DeAndre Swift is still valued as the running back 17 after the Lions have shown us over and over again that they do not want him to be the guy. I've seen some other people kind of comparing Jameer Gibbs to a guy like James Cook, who had second round draft capital, you know, went to a good team, but just really wasn't able to get involved. Aside from being able to catch passes and being second round picks, um, with Gibbs likely being a second round pick, like these guys are not comparable as prospects. Jameer Gibbs is significantly better pretty much everywhere. So I think if Jameer Gibbs comes in, he gets the workload that I think is, you know, definitely possible for him. He could be a guy who moves up from this ranking moving forward. And even if he doesn't have a great workload, I still feel like people are going to like him enough for Dynasty where you'll be able to sell him, um, you know, if you don't like what you saw after year one. And you may take a slight loss, but I don't think if he has a slightly rough year one or isn't crazy involved, like I don't think people are just going to completely tank him because we've seen what happened with a guy like DeAndre Swift. People still love the receiving upside. You know, they think he can put it all together. They think he can get the workload. So I don't think Gibbs is just going to totally tank even after one down season. Now, sticking around in tier four, my RB9, I have Josh Jacobs. If you're sitting here with a a win now team, like a top contender, you're probably going to be taking Josh Jacobs over Jameer Gibbs. So like, I totally understand that. Definitely could come down to uh, kind of team construction here. We have Josh Jacobs coming off of a massive season where he averaged 19.3 PPR points per game. Once again, he should be drafted as probably a top 10 running back this season. So we're expecting uh, RB1 production out of him. And he's only 25 years old. Like he's been in the NFL for a while, but he is still very, very young. So I don't think it's like unreasonable to say he could be in contention to give you three to four um, seasons as an RB1. Like maybe that's a little generous because we kind of just saw this breakout. But if he continues to get fed the workload we saw last season, you got to feel good about Josh Jacobs moving forward. Now this is going to be the final tier, tier five. And at my running back 10, I have Tony Pollard. Pollard is going to be 26 when the season starts, and he's coming off of a very productive season where he was the running back nine in points per game, and he did that while operating in a committee with Ezekiel Elliott. If we look at all the running backs that were in the same territory as him, like all these dudes had much larger workloads. Pollard just had the smaller workload, but he just got it done. The production was fantastic, you know, in his kind of smaller role. Um, The tough part here for Tony Pollard is I feel like his fantasy value is just very connected to how the Cowboys view this running back room. Like a lot of these other running backs, they're kind of locked into their spots or, you know, it's these younger guys, Bijan, Jameer Gibbs. For Tony Pollard, like if the Cowboys just let this dude eat and they give him a really strong workload, this ranking is probably going to be too low because he's a guy who could have high-end running back one potential. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they kind of want to keep this committee thing going. Obviously, Zeke's gone, but there are some you know decent uh, running backs out there still in free agency. I wouldn't be shocked if they bring in one of those guys, or maybe they draft a running back in like the first three rounds. So I don't think he's totally safe, which is why we kind of got to take a uh, middle ground ranking here. So if you think the Cowboys are going to let him eat, then you could probably bump him up. And then if you think you know they're going to bring in some competition, then maybe you drop him down here. But if he can get that RB1 spot locked up, he could have some massive seasons moving forward. And then at running back 11, I have Austin Eckler. He is uh, soon to be 28 years old. So he's a little under a year older than Christian McCaffrey. And then like a year and a half older than Saquon Barkley, just kind of comparing the ages of some of those like win now options. But I still think he has high end RB1 upside for probably the next like 
two-ish seasons. For Eckler, it would definitely be ideal for him to stay with the Chargers. You know, that's where he's found a ton of success over the past two seasons, two high-end RB1 seasons out of Austin Eckler. And even though he is 28, like that's definitely tough at the running back position. Um, You know, not a ton of security there because he's probably one injury away from, you know, losing a ton of value. But he's not one of these running backs like a Derrick Henry who has a ton of tread on the tires. Like in Eckler's first four seasons, the highest number of carries he had in a season was 132. And then even these past two seasons where he's been like the workhorse, he's barely cracked 200 carries. And we know he always has that receiving upside to fall back on. So I think as a win now option, you like Eckler here. And then obviously you're going to hope he stays with the Chargers. Not that he wouldn't be able to find success somewhere else, but it's kind of like we've seen how they use him. We like the way they use him. So let's kind of just keep that rolling here for fantasy. And then sticking in tier five, my running back 12. Honestly, like there could have been a few different guys that slotted in here. I ended up going with Javante Williams, and I do recognize that he is a pretty tough guy to evaluate. Heading into the season, people love Javante Williams as a dynasty asset. He was the running back three on keep trade cut. He ends up tearing his ACL in week four. And it seems like the kind of reports are not as optimistic about Javante Williams' ACL tear compared to Brees Hall. For Brees Hall, it seems like he's pretty set to be ready to go week one. Obviously, we still have a long way to go. But for Javante, like we're getting reports that maybe he starts off on Pup. Um, You know, we just don't know if he is going to be ready to go in week one which isn't a great look because we kind of just saw this thing happen with J.K. Dobbins last season where he actually tore it before the season and still wasn't ready to go. And then he suffered another knee injury throughout the season. So it's not ideal for Javante, but he's still young. He hasn't even turned 23 years old yet. And if he can get healthy, get back to what he was, I do think he has a lot of upside here on this Broncos offense. So that is going to be my top 12 dynasty running backs. Let me know what you guys think. Did I miss someone? Did I leave someone off? Who should be higher? Who should be lower? Let me hear it down below in the comment section. But thank you all for stopping by. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and I will see you all in the next one.